Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today. I just love the music. <laughs> I couldn't help it. We were all just chilling <laughs> with this music. Producer Chad has picked the music for the day. What, what's Producer up with that? Producer Chad on the jams. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's like I need to be sipping like a glass of like Cavassier or Well, that music's bourbon. so good that I feel like I have sipped a glass of Cavassier. Yeah. So we're in studio. Paul George, um, Deacon Adam. Welcome, and Producer Chad, great to be with you today. Thanks for listening to the show here on KLFT Radio or on the podcast. Super glad that you are with us today. Yeah, the music's kind of like, hey, it's fall. Kick back, relax, you know, don't worry about life. But that's just not the case much that's out there. <laughs> no, we're just trying to pretend like everything's great, right? Right here in the studio. I don't know, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have s- several children. Mm-hmm. And uh, and about to have another one. About to have another one. December 29th, little Paul. Yay. Y'all, name y'all, reveal. Y'all oh, you're going to do it? Wait, you just threw that out there. We had no idea. We had Ladies the name reveal. Ladies and gentlemen, this is. we had no <laughs> idea he was going to do this. Yeah. Paul, Paul what? Paul Anthony. You should have gone with Paul George Conk. <laughs> <laughs> then it would be obvious that we named him after. I just want to at least kind of subtle. St. Paul's a great name, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, now a little caveat to this is that we're open to that being changed last minute, which God does sometimes. Mm. God well, does that. This is your first child too, right? That happened. That happened. Who's going to be Joshua until like two weeks before? And we're like, wait a minute. So I didn't know if like the baby comes out, you like give him an, a look, and you're like, yeah, it didn't look like a Paul. Well, sometimes they come out branded with a tattooed name on their bottom. That right. ever happened to you? Mm. No. Well, I haven't had a kid yet. So. Oh, sometimes that happens. But anyway. The point of me bringing that up and making that reveal about little Paul is that uh, the younger I was with the least amount of kids felt actually more hectic than it does now because you, you give up control after a certain point. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to control 90% of my life because these kids have a mind of their own. So mm-hmm. I'm just giving up. And it takes about five years of giving up to like really settle into that. You just surrender. 2020, you know, for me, it's kind of like that. Yeah. You know, Uh, now granted, no one I love has died from COVID as far as like my immediate family or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I did go through a hurricane, Mm -hmm. had some house damage, but still to me, it's like I've given up about two months ago and I'm in that hurricane. Yeah. I'm in that great zone of surrender. surrender. I mean, isn't that what life's all about? (laughs) And honestly, we talk about 2020 and just, you know, how crazy life is and whatnot. But at the end of the day, God's on the throne. All right, let's just zoom out and just say, at the end of the day, God's on the throne. And for us as Christians, that's what we believe. No matter what happens in a pandemic and an election and an economy, God's on the throne. We have Jesus on our side. And honestly, I think for us as Christians, we need to be proclaiming that more, not buying into this 2020 sort of uh, narrative that, you know, life sucks and is horrible, but that, you know, God's on the throne. And we're going to have good days and bad days, and that's what we're going to proclaim and be about, and that's exciting. You know, I don't know if you thought about this, but the name you just revealed the name, mm-hmm. um, but his initials would be PC. Yeah, because I'm all about political correctness. <laughs> also, PAC. PAC. I'm all about the PAC, political the elections. You know, the super PACs, mm. that kind of thing. Little PAC. That's better ways. But to be fair, Paul being your middle name. That's true. I don't know if it would qualify as naming it after Paul, but no, but it's a you good can name. claim it. You, you know, can claim it. There are other people in the world named Paul. <laughs> well, besides, there, and me. there are so many saints named Paul. There's even other other Paul Georges. There are other Paul Georges. Yeah, not as famous as you, but yeah, yeah. 
All right, so I actually have a have you seen today since Chad didn't do his homework. So here we go. <laughs> what did you say? That is so interesting. I am for real, though. Brutal takedown. I am for real. Chad. I actually have two have you seens. Okay, so thanks for listening today on the radio, KLFT. Catholic Radio for Katie on the podcast. Okay, I have two have you seens. I don't know which one to go with. One, first one is because it's fall. Halloween's coming up next week. Um, there was a pumpkin, the largest pumpkin uh, grown in North America is 2,350 pounds. <laughs> wow. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of pumpkin spice lattes. That's the size of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Oh, my gosh. The size of a truck. They grew a pumpkin, you know. Think about the things you can carve on that. I mean, that's a house. Like, you carve the, you carve the insides out, and you can live in that. For sure. Think about the pie you can did make you see, with it. Did you see a picture of it? Yeah, I have a picture of it. It's gorgantuous. Like, I mean, you could walk in it. Like, if you carved out the top, you could walk in it. I mean, it's 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 massive. Dude, Man. I want to get one of those for my kids, put it in the backyard, and what a fort that would be. Here's one of the things about living in Louisiana that does kind of stink when it comes to, like, fall and pumpkins and, like, the whole deal is we live in Georgia, and you can go up into the North Georgia mountains. And in the fall, they ha- actually have leaves on trees that change colors. In Louisiana, it's, we wow. go from green to brown, okay? So, like, that's a you, change, there are a though. lot of positive things about living down here, but that's not one. We go from green to brown. Like, beautiful, orange, you know, fall. And then you can go on these, like, these pumpkin farms where they, like, as far as the eye can see and do hay rides with your kids, like, through, we just don't do that here. Like, that's not mm-hmm. something that's, like, a big deal. No, like airboat rides. Yeah, yeah, swamp tours. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so that's kind of cool. So, and here's the um, here's the other have you seen is that there's this new um, robot uh, firefighter um, thing. It, it's it's like a bulldozer with a big hose on it, and it, you send it into a fire, and it it takes on a fire without having to send in an actual person, right? So it does like the hard work, you know, when like the fire is really dangerous and you might die in the fire. I thought that was really cool. So That's they right. actually put cool. out their first fire in downtown Los Angeles with this thing. Wow. So they're using it. Yeah. Wow. It's a okay. re- remote control. So you send it in, you know, um, and it, um, yeah. Man, that's a good. I, there's so many things that are becoming automatized. What do you call that? Automatic now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like self-driving things. Tesla's testing out its first like self-driving car for real, like all the way self-driving car. There's self-driving. I can't wait for that. By the way, because napping on long trips where I usually drive is. I, mean, I would never. Oh yeah. In a million years, no matter what the technology was. Trust an automatic <laughs> full of it. auto drive car. You just I would wait. never just chill out, sleep, and let the car drive for me. Are oh, you I would, kidding me? I would do that in a heartbeat. Do you know how many people I would are beta test that? I would be. I would sign up for the first person in the country sure. to do that. I'm sure you will. I'm sure, <laughs> sure you will. But here's the thing: I was thinking about that, you know, remote control fire thing. Is that there are so many fires out there right now? Like literally. Yeah. That I would, I feel like I would just like love to like put out a few fires. You know, we had the Pope making some statements and, and oh, then people going uh, crazy. There was a fires. firestorm. You know, like we have the firestorm of the election. You know, we got the firestorm of the pandemic. We got the firestorm of the economy. It's like 2020. And then know, there's actual firestorms. It is a dumpster fire. We actually yeah. have fires out <laughs> west. You know, we, we have hurricanes. I mean, it just, it, you know, it just feels like, hey, can we put some of these out mm. and get back to some nor- normality? 
there is one less that I that I saw that there's been talks of for the last couple months about the volcano at Yellowstone erupting, possibly. Yes. And I just saw news from scientists that are suggesting that it's going to be seventy thousand years before that happens. So we got time. Some good news. Yeah, we got time. It's preparing. It's, now, now yeah. is that the same thing, or is that different than than predicting that Old Faithful might actually stop? Is that the uh, same? No, that's different. Event. Okay. Different. But it, yeah, that's also possible. Which would be sad. I kind of want to go see. I it. mean, talk about bad omens. I'm not an omen guy. But as yeah, far as like those Saint who Januarius's are, blood. St. Januarius's blood, you know, when it doesn't yeah. liquefy, like right. bad things happen, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be the people around when Old Faithful stops. Yeah. So speaking about putting out fires, you know, and we're, we're sort of making this big deal about 2020. And look, there's, there has been suffering. There has been some displacement. There has been a lot of wonkiness about 2020. And it's not like you're going to get to 2021, January, and God's like, oh, new fiscal year. You know, like everything changes. Like <laughs> A year of you, blessing. You know, God doesn't think in our fiscal time, right? Mm-hmm. Like like life is life and like things, things are crazy. And, you know, our faith is what navigates us through all this. Like that, that's at the forefront of everything. You know, it. There, there's no human things that are just going to fix the anxiety in the world, you know? So there's really good news about our saint I want to talk about today. St. John Capistrano. Have you heard of him? Is he Italian? I, I would love to be from a place called Capistrano. Yeah, that's cool. Sounds like a soup. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a whiskey. Capistrano. So I don't know if you guys remember the movie Dumb and Dumber. Uh, yeah. They remember, <laughs> you remember they said something like, like the salmon of Capistrano. Yeah. <laughs> right? So St. John Capistrano, listen to this for a second. So speaking of 2020, if you're listening out here on the podcast or on the radio, and it has been a hard 2020, you think, oh, this has never happened. You know, we're in a pandemic. You know, it's just everything's crazy. Um, you know, uh, listen to this. Uh, it says this about St. John Capistrano, who was uh, alive in 1386 to 1456. Okay. It says, imagine being born in the 14th century. One third of the population and nearly 40% of the clergy were wiped out by the bubonic plague. 40%. Okay. So, so imagine that. The Western schism split the church with two or three schisms uh, to the Holy See at one time. England and France were at war. The city-states of Italy were constantly in conflict. Uh, conflict. No wonder that gloom dominated the spirit or the culture of the times. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't that feel the same way? Yeah. Right? And, and here we are like, you know, 600 years, you know, over 600 years later, and, you know, we're we're experiencing like feeling like this dark time like it's never happened before. Like this is this is life. This is sort of like, you know, the course of, you know, what what we deal with. So we're, and we're not alone in this. So St. John's coming out of this, right, this time and this season of life, right? And he, uh, it says this, which is crazy, at 26, he was made governor. Can you imagine that? That's, that's, I'm 25, so <laughs> that would be You're not even crazy. governor of your own house, man. <laughs> like the, Getting there. <laughs> hey, man, I'm trying my best. <laughs> no, because you're about to get outvoted. You're going to have yeah, a kid, right. and then they're just two against one, and, and uh, you're, you're done, man. Yeah. So at 26, but he was, he was more of a pagan, worldly man, uh, becomes governor and you know, leads armies and wars and then has a conversion. Which we hear a lot, like during time of suffering and pain and war, 
you see a lot of saints who had conversions during those times. That's what brought them to their knees. And there is a lot of good that's going to come out of this time. You were talking about it, Adam. Like this idea that, that like, yeah, you have all these kids. You've learned to surrender, right? Mm. That, that life's not your own. Like, you know, but 2020 is teaching us that we need to turn back to God, surrender. There's so much out of our control. Like, there's so much that we can't do. And if we don't surrender to God and lean into him, then where do we go? What do we do? Like, and that's, that's the tough part. And so St. John had his conversion during like one of the toughest times in history and then entered the Franciscan monastery. And I wonder what saints are having their conversion during this epidemic, during this time, right? Like there are people turning to God right now because what you just said is happening. There are now, there are folks that are losing their faith right now. Even Catholics who have been going to Mass for 30 years might not ever come back because they weren't required to for six months, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. That is true. But it is also true and important for the future of the church that there are saints being formed right now and having conversions of heart right now. And it's a very hopeful thing. And um, yeah, one thing I love about St. John, he wrote this manual on clerical reform and formation. And uh, it's interesting that a lot of politicians after, Politicians before that conversion became priests and great bishops. Mm. And I think he nails it when he says, the priest we should doubly honor and doubly pay is the one who's a great leader and who preaches well. I mean, how simple is that? Very. (laughs) But true. Just get back to the basics. (laughs) a great leader and who preaches well. Right. And that's who he was, apparently. Yeah, at 26, he was governor and was fighting a war and he got imprisoned. And he, in prison, he's like, yeah, this isn't working. Like, this is the life I want to live. Can you imagine the suffering? So at age 30, he left his office and went to the Franciscan monastery. And you think he went from a governor to a religious, you yeah. know, like. got to get away. Yeah, like just his conversion in the midst of this time. And then, you know, what you're talking about, Adam, is that like some of his writings and his ministry were like, you know, changing the culture of the time, right? Because there were a lot of schisms. Yeah. There were a lot of, you know, you talk about 40% of the priests were wiped out because of the plague. Mm-hmm. Like, like just the church was in turmoil. The world was in turmoil. They lived in turmoil. And yet it was, it was his faith, God, you know, that was consistent, that was bringing hope back to the country and to the nation. Well, it's because in difficult times, leaders stand out and leaders are better able to lead because people are more humble and they're looking for someone to lead them, you know? Mm -hmm. And in these difficult times in the world and the church, I think certain people stand out as leaders and it's good to follow those folks. But um, he was one of those leaders. And I think part of our, I think what what St. John shows and part of our role as Christians is like, it's, it's our time to be charitable and part of our charity is just being joyful even though things are as bad as they are. They're, they seem as bad as they are. You know what I mean? I think that's part of a charity, like, cause it's, it's infectious. Like the, especially complaining is infectious. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's something our culture does a lot is they bond over complaining. I mean, that was like a, in college, the way we bonded, our people bond, tried to bond with me. It was like, man, this professor sucks. <laughs> and that was like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> my name's Chad. It's a, uh, Nice to meet you too. That's you how know? you met. Yeah, you right. met in turmoil and suffering. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and and that's no good. Uh, yeah, no, nobody has. There's no good atmosphere there. There's no like uh, rejoicing or no striving for something good when when you meet and you bond over complaining. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think that's part of our charity. Like being charitable to people is 
being joyful in the midst and, and having hope in the midst of this. I mean, you, you also find during times of like suffering and in what we're in and what St. John was in, in, you know, the 1300s is that there's a lot of division, you know, because people are going through pain and suffering and there was a lot of schisms even within the Franciscan order. Right. And, you know, it's during times like, like this or then that God raises up leaders to speak the truth. And, you know, he was, you know, there was a schism within his own Franciscan order and he was leading the way in bringing him back to, you know, the, the way of Francis, the, the order of the, you know, you know, the order of the way that, of way of life that the Franciscans lived. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, he was leading the way in that in, in the midst of like the turmoil and schism that they were going through. Well, and part of that leadership, I mean, it seems like he had three passions for priests in particular, but I think we could apply it to, the, to all of us. But his three passions for clerical formation, leadership, preaching, and holiness. And he was very severe in talking about the, the corruption of sin within the church because, look, Satan is after the priests more than all of us. That is absolutely true. He's also after all of us, okay? <laughs> but in a particular hateful, spiteful, and just diabolical way. Just look at some of the news headlines over the past couple months with priests around our area. He gets some stuff done with priests that he, I mean, it's, it's bad. It was like that in St. John's time. And he called them out on it, but basically he told the people, when you have a priest like that, don't listen to him. Like they're, he says they're worthless in their priesthood. <laughs> their sin has made them worthless. So he said, look, as priests, you can't play with sin. And I think it's speaking to what you were talking mm -hmm. about. You you can't stay a joyful, cheerful church in sin. Like there's nothing, mm -hmm. there's no power we have if we're if we're sinful people. Now we're all gonna sin and we're all gonna strive, but there's a difference between struggling with sin and giving yourself over to sin and compromising. Mm -hmm. And that's what he said that cannot happen with priests because priests that do that are worthless. But I think you can say that about any Christian. If we live a life where we give ourselves over to sin, we live a worthless Christian life in the sense of, <laughs> I know he's, I mean, that sounds harsh, but in the sense of, are you going to accomplish what the Christian is sent to accomplish? No. Yeah. And look, I never want to be the Pharisee. Like, I never want to be the person who's judging others. I never want to be like in my conversion and in my way of following Jesus, look down on people who aren't. Like, I don't want to be that way because I don't, that's not the way Jesus calls us to live. However, you know, what you're saying, Adam, is like in our world today, there is something very divisive about people who claim to be a Catholic or a Christian and don't follow Christ or his teachings that are divisive to the church. They're divisive to the way of life that, you know, Christ calls us to live. Now, yeah, we should help and teach those people and bring them along like they're, you know, but at the same time, for those people who aren't Christians, they look at that person or those people who, who are just like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I was baptized Catholic. I'm Catholic, and you know, I don't believe any of that stuff. You know, I just do what I want, and it just does nothing for the good news of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a, a life outside of sin is so much better. Mm -hmm. And if we can, even if I mean, sometimes it takes telling them that that's where they're at because it's so consuming and it's hard to see outside of it. You know. Right. All right. We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care costs? 
Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Producer Adam. Producer? No. No, not producer Adam. Deacon Adam. Deacon. <laughs> producer Chad. Well, we're in different chairs, so it's very confusing. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. Chad and Adam switch chairs. Chad's actually moving into the producer role. Yeah. Adam's, it's a beautiful thing. Adam's more the, you know, co-host, and we're getting the show done. So thanks for listening in on the podcast, on the radio. Uh, whatever means, share the show, be a part of it. Thank you so much for... Um, this is show 151. It's amazing. 151. 151. Yeah. Yeah. I would say as a show, we've finally moved out of our parents' house. Basement. Got our cheap apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Eating ramen noodles. We grew up. We're, uh, we're yeah. maturing. Yeah. Yeah. So well, congrats, good. everybody. That is good to know. <laughs> Welcome along. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So where do we go with all this? Like, it's just kind of crazy. You know, we're talking about Father, I mean, Father, he was a father, but uh, uh, St. John Capistrano. Well, one thing I take away from it is, like, what you brought up, Paul, is that human suffering is nothing new, and it's also not different. Now, the the emphasis might be different. So, for example, war is from the beginning, even from Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. So that's a classic human suffering, poverty. Sickness and disease, plagues, um, famines. Um, these are the classic human sufferings Sufferings that in different times of history, one will be more than the other or that kind of thing. But the solution to human suffering is Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? Like that is the solution. The solution is that in Jesus Christ, he redeems all of this suffering to make it salvific. And that there's a purpose now to that suffering. There's a purpose, which is to spread the gospel and save souls. Like, suffering can be used for that purpose. And if you look at times of explosion in church history of the faith, it was during the midst of one of those being very potent, like the persecution of the church, war. That's, that, that's what that is, by the way. When we say the church is being persecuted, what is that? War on the church. But we don't fight back. We evangelize when we're persecuted, right? Like we don't destroy our enemy militarily when we're persecuted. We overcome the enemy with spreading the gospel. And that's our most fertile time is during war on the church, you know? Mm. Um, But famine on the church to me seems so difficult. And that seems to be not necessarily what we're in, but this is when like our spiritual goods as a church seem, we seem dry. Those things that sometimes are abundant, like, Sometimes we have so many saints coming out of church history. Like for, for this hundred years, we have so many saints and so many great things happen, religious institutions founded, whatever. But then we go through periods of dryness where it's like this spiritual famine. This is what St. John was in. Are we in that kind of time? I don't know. I mean, we just celebrated Pope John Paul II's uh, feast day. I mean, that was certainly an abundant. There was some abundance in there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Sometimes it feels like we're in a dry period. But... Jesus is the answer to this, is what I'm, what I'm getting at. Like, this is this is normal human, human suffering. Christ is the answer to human suffering. Yeah, I love the readings that are coming up this Sunday. 
um, for October 25th. You know, what does St. Paul say about this? You know, it's like, what, what do we do? And, and I love these words because he mentions this a couple of times in a couple of his writings. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 5, he says this. He says, and you become imitators of us and the Lord. Like, like this is what our role is. Like, any time as a Christian, is like, wh- what do we do? We imitate Jesus. Like, you know, what would, you know, how does Jesus live, act, and and manifest? Like, that's we're just called to imitate Jesus. But he says also this, like, you become imitators of us and the Lord. Now, talk about confidence, right? Confidence in that, like, he wasn't perfect, but, like, he was following Jesus. And if you follow me the way I follow Jesus, then you'll follow Jesus too, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, when you look at St. John Christodom, uh, not Christodom, um, Capistrano, um, you know, he spoke with that confidence, but you were talking about the clergy earlier or other Christians we were talking about. And, you know, when we become a disciple of Jesus, like our job is not, not only to evangelize others, but like to help them know how to live, like to imitate my life should be to imitate Christ's life. That's a lot of responsibility, you know, and I'm not always like Christ. I mean, I'm trying to be, but I know that I'm imperfect. But, you know, when we're a disciple, we're sort of carving out that way of life and those virtues so someone can look at us and be like, oh, they do have joy. They do have peace. They do, you know, have purpose. They they do have a sense of, you know, um, steadiness in, in the storm. Like there's something about them that, you know, and it's Jesus. Like that's that's who it is. It's Jesus. Yeah, I was given an analogy a couple months ago that's really stuck with me about that idea. And it's, it's that we're called to be mirrors that are angled toward Christ. So, like, you ever um, you ever look at a mirror that's angled and you see an object that's, like, not in the room or not? You know what I'm saying? Because if you mm-hmm. angle a mirror, it's going to reflect what it's facing directly. But if you look at it at an angle, you're going to see that object that's off to the side, Right. So we're called to be mirrors that reflect Christ. The only way that's possible is if we're facing Christ, like mm-hmm. if we're going all all out for him. But then when people look at us, since we're angled at Christ, they see Christ. They mm. don't see it's like, us. It's like cameras before digital cameras. There's like in the little lens thingy, the little viewer. I don't know what they are, they're called, to be honest. Yeah, but, I know what you're talking about. Though, yeah, yeah, if you look through that, it's like just a bunch of mirrors that point out towards the lens. Right. Yeah, so we're called if if we are focused on Christ and if we are oriented toward him, then others can see him through us and we the mirror doesn't have to be perfect. It's kind of like Jesus is the road, he's the path, but we can be the road sign to say this is the path. Like we don't have you can have a old road sign that's not painted beautifully, it still points to Jesus, right? Like <laughs> my sins and my unworthiness and my brokenness don't prevent me from helping people find Jesus. Yeah, not that we're all tempted with it, but sometimes, yeah, the temptation is to take what Paul says and say, hey, look at me. I'm following Jesus. Follow me. And, but don't follow Jesus. I don't know if that made sense. But, like, yeah, yeah, we're not the ones to follow, but Jesus is. We can, we can never go wrong in pointing people towards Jesus, less towards ourselves and more towards Jesus. Right, and so in St. Paul in that reading, you know, he talks about how they turn from idols to God. I mean, this is our conversion, all of us, mm-hmm. where we turn from a way of life of, of trying to fulfill our life with something other than God. Like that is idolatry, right? Like that is, like that's when we um, we looked to other things other than God to fulfill us. And I love this quote from the Catechism, Catechism paragraph 
twenty-one fourteen. He's it says an idolater, right? Idolater. Idolater. Yeah, I, I always mess <laughs> up that word. word. It, I know it's like is someone who transfers his indestructible notion of God to anything other than God. Mm. It's the love of anything other than God, in a sense, to fulfill my deepest desires and needs. You know. Yeah, that could be. There's, I can think of a lot of things right now that that maybe I mean, even me to some extent want to turn to. You know, technology is one, obviously, but also like our president or anybody running to be president, or, or even the pope, even yeah, the we priest. Can turn to anything, and look, some things are good to love, and and they're healthy to love. Some things aren't, right? But if God's not at the apex of that, if God's not at the 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 forefront of our love, not if we're we're not falling in love with God, then then we're we're falling short in a sense. Like something else is 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 fulfilling our heart, or we're looking to something else to fulfill our heart. Right? Ultimately, all those things will leave us stranded. It'll leave us falling short. I love how it said indestructible. An idolatry is where, like, if you ask yourself this question, what would it take for my life to completely fall apart? You know, look at the Book of Job. For example, everything was taken from him. And if, if, if there's any answer other than nothing because God is indestructible and he is my life, then we have idolatry in our life. Right. Now, it may not be mortally sinful. Like if I take a, uh, a golden calf and start worshiping it, like that's clearly a mortal sin. It may not even be sinful. It may be just an imperfection that's keeping me from the perfection that God's calling me to. But the mark of idolatry is that I take a security in something other than God. Something other than God. I love my wife. I love my wife so much, right? I'm called to love my wife, give my life, my life for her, right? But if she becomes my idol and my God, that that is that's unhealthy. Like, because mm-hmm. I'm trying to replace her with something other than God can fulfill in my life and in my heart, right? Yeah. So even good things can become idols. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, but to your point though earlier about uh, you know Paul saying follow us, I think I was thinking about you said fall in love with God, and I think that's a beautiful idea. But it always makes me want to reflect on like what the heck does that look like? Mm-hmm. What is that? How do you fall in love with God? But I think your wife certainly can teach you. Oh, it it should lead you. You know, healthy vocation leads you into falling deeper in love with God. Yeah, like right. I, I fell in love with my wife in a healthy way, and. Okay, so this is how I fall in love. Yes. It's like, okay, I know my wife's beauty. I know her truth. I know who she is, and I know her goodness. And this is what the church teaches us about, you know, God is true, he's beautiful, he's good, and all those things. And so maybe I can reflect on what that looks like in God. Right. And we, we talk about this in some of our marriage stuff that we do, is that if you look to your spouse to fulfill your greatest needs, they will always fail you because another human can't fulfill what only God can fulfill, right? Which ties into the gospel this coming Sunday. Like, it, you know, it all ties together. It says, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested Jesus by asking, right? Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Right? This is the reading for this Sunday from Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Like, like he wouldn't know, right? So uh, he said to he said to him, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's what it means to fall in love, right? To love the Lord your God with all your soul, 
with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment, he says. And then the second, which they didn't ask for. They didn't mm-hmm. ask what's the second greatest commandment. He just, he just mentioned it. He said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. That's the words of Jesus mm. right there. Some good words. Well, and love, love takes place in freedom, right? And Pope John Paul II, again, we just celebrated his feast day. But like he was big on both topics, freedom and love, love and responsibility. But freedom implies gift because that's the whole nature of gift is it's free. Mm-hmm. If I'm paying a debt, I'm not free. Like I, I should do it. So if I owe money for a service or a good and then I pay it, that's not done in freedom. That's done in debt. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The nature of freedom is gift. And we're only free to the extent that we can make a gift of ourselves. Freedom in our society, for example, all of us can make a gift of ourselves to the society. I can offer my gifts and talents, the things I can do for the world around me, and I'm free to do that. And I lack freedom when I, that ability is suppressed. So it's just one way to look at freedom. Freedom is gift, the ability to make your, yourself a gift. And in that case, love is a gift first from God to me. Falling in love with God, step number one, God exists and he created me. Like that's the step number one. He made a, in freedom, he didn't have to create me. This was not a debt he was paying to himself or the universe or anything. I'm not part of God's plan because I had to be. I'm part of God's plan because he willed me to be in freedom and in love. I received everything, my heart, soul, mind, and strength is a gift from God to me. And what are we supposed to do when we receive gifts? We're supposed to, in gratitude, seek to return what was given to us. I give him back my heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is love. This is freedom. This is the most fundamental human freedom. And anything short of that is an oppression of me Mm. because I can't make a gift of myself to the one that gave me who I am, you mm. know? Anything short of the greatest commandment is the oppression of sin. And that's why it's the greatest commandment. And to give myself to my neighbor is the most fundamental way that I make a gift of myself in the world around me. Like, how do you actually do that? How do you give God your mind? Well, in prayer, of course, but in concrete relationships that he's put me in. So it's a powerful statement. It's a great thing to think about. But like I am oppressed by sin when I can't do what he just told me to do. Mm. Right. One of the hard part, hardest parts I find about it right now, maybe it's just me and it's, it's the season that we're in, but like to give your whole heart, that sounds difficult. I mean, it's like you get it. Your emotions are so hard and you're in your, I don't know, maybe heart means, I mean, heart obviously means more than that, but um, yeah, that my emotions are sent to God even, you know, right. and like long for him and very clearly long for him and delight in goodness and in in his beauty and in his and who he is right love is a reception and an expression right Mm -hmm. like we receive love and then we express it back scripture tells us you know god first loved us like and you know and you know we come to that place of surrender which you talk about in the first segment of of just surrendering like receiving love from god right allowing our heart our mind to our soul to receive God, to, to, to accept his love. And then through that, we express back, like, you know, when you're falling in love with your spouse, right? You receive, and then you express. And probably when you fell in love with your spouse, like I did and thought, this is the person I want to marry. 
you begin to express love that you never did before because your your whole mind, heart, and soul was expressing this authentic love that you felt for this one person, right? Uh, that you wanted to to be in a sacramental relationship with in marriage. The same is with God, and I think in a lot of ways, culturally, we've fallen out of love, you know, and it's time to fall back in love mm. with, with, with God, like with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And then an expression of that is not only back to God, but it's to neighbor. Yep. You know, it's, it's to truly love our neighbor, whether they hate us, whether they don't agree with us or dislike us. It doesn't really matter. Like Christ just loved unconditionally. And we got to get back to that as well. I think it's an important insight, Paul, is we, we as a society have forgotten how to fall in love at all because mm-hmm. mm. we don't really promote that idea. We promote oppression. We promote self-gratification. We promote um, asserting your rights. That is such a big deal right now. And how, much, how many marriages are broken up because each one is trying to assert their rights? Mm. You know, but like that's what we promote. Mm. You're going to respect my rights. You're going to respect my rights rather than passionately wanting to respect everything about the other, we want to demand that everything about me is taken care of. So, I mean, we've forgotten how to fall in love because to fall in love is to, like Jesus says, lay down your life for your friend. What a simple idea, but mm. we've, as a society, we don't promote that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it gets back to that, little, that root of the gift, of like the freedom and the gift. And when you don't respond to the gift in gratitude, you're not well. You don't recognize you don't recognize it as a gift at all. You think it's something that's owed to you or deserved, and marriage can seem the same way. Like I'm owed the feeling of love. I'm owed, I don't know, whatever it is. It's a due to a me. list yeah. of demands that I I require. Yeah. And instead of the gift of that person being grateful for them and giving your entire self back to them as a gift. Well, and this has been the classic motivation of the church to evangelize is that. We know that step one is God made us. The world thinks step one is I exist. Like they, they just, we just take that for granted, right? Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we lose our motivation when we start to agree with that. So yeah, like those Buddhists over there, those atheists over there, those like they have every right to have whatever faith they have, which is true. We have freedom of religion, whatever. But when we see step one as they exist mm. versus God created them, and we want them to live in freedom to love God back as he ought to be loved, then we get motivated. Then we travel the world to set people free to love God back because we know that step one is God creates out of freedom and out of love every human person from the moment of natural conception to the moment of natural death, regardless of religion, race, or creed, God is their father. Yeah, yeah gosh, I think that's the damage of modern philosophy is that like, yeah, it starts with me. Like, mm-hmm. I exist, therefore I am, or I think, therefore I am. It's yeah, I'm the a, center a of the universe. I'm, I'm, I'm the center of the world. I, I worship myself in my own life, you know. And it's interesting because, you know, during times of suffering, you know, times that we're in right now, times that, you know, John Capistrano was in, is we, we do one of two things. Either we turn inward, which is, you know, sinful. Like, when we turn inward on ourselves, we turn away from God, Okay. So to worship God is to actually express outward to God that you are the center of the universe. I'm not, right? Sin sin turns us inward on ourself. It makes us look inward. 
there's two things that happen. Like either we, we times of suffering is either we turn outward to, to love our neighbor, to love God, or we turn inward and it's like the world, you know, it's all about me and me, 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 my, 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 right? So the good thing about, you know, South Louisiana is that, you know, we do go through suffering when other people don't, through hurricanes and storms and just different things, you know. And no better time to meet and love your neighbor than to go help them clean up, right? Yeah, there's a lot of pride in that too. So, you know, we had a hurricane and it's like, oh, my yard is crazy. So I'm doing some cleanup. And then I'm looking at other people who have worse mess than me. So, you know, I take my chainsaw and I, there's some neighbors I've never met. And I just walk into the yard and start cutting their <laughs> trees with them and, you know, chainsawing. And they're looking at me and I'm like, you know, then we start talking and, you know, it's like, hey, there's no better time than to work together, meet you and get to know you and be your neighbor then during times of suffering, like, you know, what would Jesus do? Lock his doors, you know, make sure he had power and make sure his <laughs> yard was clean. Like, you know, it's like, okay, like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going, you know? And so, and then, you know, the next day they bring us a bottle of wine over. Thanks so much. And like, we're just, you know, it's, it's, it's now just relationships happening. And during this time is like when Christians should be turning outward to the world, loving unconditionally, going to people's yards, like going to people's homes, like, in a sense, even, you know, in the analogy sense of like really um, proclaiming Christ. But, you know, when your faith is shallow, you turn inward. When your faith mm-hmm. is shallow, you turn inward. You worry about yourself more than you worry about other people. Well, I think you touch on something important there that there's a subtle oppression in our society that keeps us free to love our neighbor. And... I think we realize that oppression when it's taken away by a disaster, you know, because then there is a certain freedom. Like, oh, now I'm free to care about you, whereas before I didn't even know your name. So that tells us that on our day-to-day basis, we lack a freedom to love each other. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And um, well, and then now we're wearing masks. We can't see each other. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. like, like the culturally, it's just there's a suffocation that's happening, you know, for a while, we weren't even allowed in our churches, didn't have freedom yep. to worship. Y'all, like, folks are suing governments and doing everything they can just to see their loved ones in nursing homes right now. Like, they, they're yeah. not free to love the most vulnerable among us. Yep. Mm. It's crazy. All right, we're going to take a break. Paul George, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening in. Podcast on the radio. Great to be with you today. Paul George, Deacon Adam, producer Chad. Talking about a lot of things. You know, I do uh, work for Hospice, Hospice of Acadiana and the Foundation. And, you know, just this week I went with one of our nurses to visit some patients patients on our hospice service and went into the nursing home. And I got to be honest, like at the end of the day, like I went home and was like really depressed. Mm-hmm. Seeing people very vulnerable, alone, mm. alone, mm-hmm. like 
There's nothing worse than being alone. There's nothing worse suffering alone than suffering alone. Yeah. You know, com- compassion means to suffer with, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, we, as Christians, we're called to suffer with people, right? To have compassion and to suffer with, you know. This is the beauty of Mother Teresa, like, like her compassion for the dying, for the orphans, like to be, you know, really Christian and pro-life is to see dignity in like all people, the poor, the orphan, the dying, right? The greatest fear that people have is to die, but to die alone is like the worst thing yeah. ever. It's it's even above that, yeah, for sure. You know, and you know, you were mentioning that at the end of the last segment segment is like what's what's happening in our culture right now is that isolation's happening right we feel alone we feel you know separated we you know we're we're wearing masks we're in homes like this is not the way we were created to live we were created to love neighbor you know so when jesus says love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind and love your neighbor this is this is like not like he's not like writing a new law this is the natural law of god mm-hmm the natural law of God is to love him because he created us, right? We have a, we have a natural love for God in our hearts that, that, that is, we're born with. And out of that is to love neighbor. It is, it is the most natural law written on our hearts is that I don't want to hurt you. Like there's nothing naturally in me that looks at you and says, I want to kill you, right? That's not natural, right? That's sinful. That's not natural in the way God created us. So to love God and to love neighbor is getting back to who we're created to be, it's right? complete freedom. It's complete freedom. But in our world where we're isolated and all this is happening, what ends up is that sin takes over. We turn inward. We become all about ourselves. And that isolation is a great way for the enemy to do a lot of work, mm-hmm. you know? So we have to, as Christians, get back to loving people, you know, all people and particularly those who are vulnerable, those who are, you know, alone, separated. So, all right. You yeah. want to do a six-pack of questions? Question. So I'm going to do question number one. Oh, I'm jumping yeah. in. You, you got You're the, shaking you, things up. No, you shook things up. Yeah, I did. You started out the first segment without telling Chad or I or anybody else the name reveal. You just threw it out Pow. there like it was no... Pow! Have you know, you seen? No. yeah. So here, you know, I'll do question number one. It's it's gonna be for you. Adam. Oh, okay. Um, so I do work with hospice, but you know, you as a ordained deacon, you know, you do work funerals and dying, and you know, you you've learned be with people in tough seasons of life, right? And mm-hmm. jumping into that, you know, where do you see that ministry or, or Christ's presence? in those moments where people are suffering and and how do, how does that work well one there is a there is a lot of grace and you've seen this in the hospice room and i'm sure as you talk to more and more folks that work in hospice there's a lot of grace in moments of suffering and by that i mean god has provided a lot you know even in very difficult situation god is always there because he knew from the beginning of time or before that the suffering that every human being would go through. And he, his heart breaks for that suffering. He doesn't want sin. He didn't invent it. He doesn't want death. He didn't, this is not his intention for us, right? So like any good father, he has prepared 
his grace and his mercy in those moments of suffering. And it is a beautiful thing as an ordained person um, who, from the grace of that sacrament, to walk into a situation that's already filled with grace and God's preparation and to be the one to initiate that experience of grace. For example, recently, um, this past week, went to a funeral. Someone died of COVID. Uh, the, the funeral home prayed a rosary and was with the family. And like you literally just need to show up. That's all you need to do to initiate a prayer, initiate a conversation, and God does so much. And so to me, in my experience of it, I see God present in what he gets done in those moments for those people that have nothing to do with me. Like I, all I did was start a rosary. All I did was say hello and give you time. But the, uh, the experience of grace that those people have, the tears that shed, the, the moment of um, encounter with God that they have is beautiful to witness. And I think most folks that work in those difficult situations, hospice, prison ministry, and everything else, that's what brings them back is those experiences of grace. Hmm. Mm. Question two for Paul. Wow, I don't even know what's happening right now. Who's getting questions? Where they're coming? That's right. <laughs> Mixing it's things the up. wild west of questions. <laughs> I know. A lot of things have changed up in the last few weeks, I'll be honest. Oh, my gosh. Uh, question two, Paul, since working with hospice, have you learned anything about the grieving process? Or do you have any insights on uh, a healthy grieving process? Yeah, one of the things that we actually provide for free is, you know, counseling service for families. You know, we raise money for that. And just having a place for people to process their grief and go through the stages of grief, you know, I think a lot of people would just kind of shut it in. But, you know, the best way to deal with grief is to allow someone to walk with you, you know, compassion, you know, to, to, to suffer with, to be with, you know. So having community and people and not isolating yourself during your time of suffering is extremely important, right? When we isolate ourselves during times of suffering, then, you know, we're just alone. We're not called to walk alone in our, in our pain. So whether it be counseling or, um, you know, talking to a priest or having a deacon, you know, just experiencing God's grace in your suffering is super important through those stages of grief because Christ is with us in our suffering. He walks with us in our suffering. That's what the cross is, you know. So, and that's the beauty of it. So no matter what suffering you're going through, whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual suffering, Jesus wants to walk with you and, it, you know, is journeying with you. And other people want to as well. And a lot of times we, we don't want to ask for help, you know. But just ask. Man, somebody that definitely would be like, oh, I had no idea you were struggling. I'll totally, you know, walk with you. Question number three for Chad. Ooh. <laughs> uh, you just jumped Boom. in. Oh, I've never been asked a question before. This is this is like question roulette. Oh, my gosh. You I just know. jumped in, grabbed the question, and threw it. I'm ready because I really want to know. Crazy day. So, Chad, young people today, a lot of them are not getting married. And if they get married, they're not having kids. And one of the reasons is, why would I bring a kid into this terrible world? I imagine that phrase is being thrown around more in 2020 than normal. I don't know. But you, sir, have both gotten married young and are bringing a kid into this world. So describe to me why that doesn't stop you. Like, what? why do you have hope for your child in the world that you're going to raise them in? Yeah, I don't know if anybody has ever looked out into the world and been like, man, the world's perfect. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> it's time. It's a great time to raise a child in this world. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, part of it, honestly, I mean, I don't want to say it's selfish, but it is a little selfish. It's like, man, 
I know this is my vocation. This is what I'm called to, and I know I won't find fulfillment. I mean, I find fulfillment only in God, but this is what he's created me to do. And, uh, yeah, so why, why wait? I mean, I have, I have a beautiful wife. We're in a, in a, yeah, we have a great marriage, and now's the time. So I think that's, I mean, I know it's a short answer to that question, but it's pretty simple. Yeah, I, I get the fear. I mean, the fear has been there for me too. And I'm like, man, what if I raise my child in this world and they get corrupted by this world? It's like, well, you know, if I want to raise extraordinary children, I have to be an extraordinary parent. And uh, how, what can I do to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards that? I know that's, I, I don't want to be self-centered, but I know that uh, loving God and growing in my faith and, and helping my wife do the same will get us there. Yeah, and part of the you know the sacrament is is it to not be self centered. It's to be about other centered, be about your spouse, be about Jesus, and to be about family and kids. You know, we're called in the sacrament to be co creators. You know, with God, of creating life and bringing it into the world. You know, Jesus didn't come into the world as an infinite and a perfect world, mm-hmm. right? You know, so why would we ever expect to bring in children into this world in a perfect world? Right? It's just not going to happen. Now, granted. There's some natural fears of that. Like, man, I'm so afraid, you know, like this is crazy, like, you know, whatever. We just can't live in fear. And that's the thing. Like fear grips us. Fear, you know, blinds us of seeing God's truth and love, you know, for ourselves and, you know, for our vocation, really. So anyway, you know what? Since you played question roulette, we're, we're out of questions. Like we're, <laughs> we're out of time. T- time is up. <laughs> I'm like, we're, we're just, we did the three pack and then that was enough. Well, what if I really shook things up? You can't. And I'll ask a quick question. We'll call it the quick question. Okay. Quick question that we all three answer. And then it'll be done. Okay. Beautiful. That's three questions right there. Then it's a legitimate six-pack. Okay. All right. What do you think? Yeah. All right. Quick question. Um, okay. St. John Capistrano's big three on priesthood, leadership, preaching, holiness. Agree or disagree? Agree. Or would you add? Would you Agree. add takeaway? I think I think a, the priest has a special role right now to be himself, be authentic too. I don't know if that I mean that, but that goes into all three of those things. So authenticity, okay, like it. Paul. Yeah, no, I I would agree with those things. Those are good. You wouldn't add. I mean, I could add about ten, but <laughs> you know, let's just say you know, love God and love your neighbor because that's what we talked about. And that's Jesus' greatest commandments. Do that. Like if if every Christian and every priest did that, like really did it. We would have no problems in the church. Yeah, and I would highly emphasize the the, the sin one, you know, dealing with sin because um, we've kind of forgotten that as a society, not just with the priesthood, but we we dismiss everything as psychological issues or the need for more training. But um, with the priesthood and the laity, sin is real. Let's deal with it. Yep. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening to the show on podcast or on radio. Share the show, Google Play, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, whatever the case may be. And thanks to all our sponsors. Really appreciate it. We'll be back next week for 152. God bless you guys. <laughs>